You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. And uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning, but that was just a little pleasant introduction. So come with me in your Bibles. The title of my message this morning is Joy to the World. Joy to the World. Now, if you think uh, that I was watching National Lampoon's Christmas where uh, Chevy Chasing's Joy to the World, it may have something. No, it didn't. I got up the other, the other morning and I was, <clears throat> believe it or not, I was content to preach the message I preached at South Campus last week. I was going to preach that one this week because it was such a great message and I felt the Holy Spirit <clears throat> say, no, I want you to preach this message, Joy to the World. So it's a brand new message, Joy to the World. Come with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading from verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, Now there were in the same countries shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Good tidings means good news of great joy. Everyone say joy of great joy, which will be to some people. Come on, what does it say? Which will be to all people. How many people know that all means all? So great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Amen. Amen. I want to give you three quick thoughts around the Christmas story about Jesus Christ. And the first one is this, is that Jesus is the replacer. Jesus is the replacer. This is a beautiful story. And quite often um, you will hear people say, how wonderful of God that, you know, when he appeared, he appeared to the poor. That, you know, here were the shepherds and, and so Jesus appeared to the poor. That Jesus is a discriminator. He discriminates against the wealthy and the middle class and he just goes directly to the poor, vagabondish shepherds. The shepherds weren't poor because they had a job. They were shepherds. Poor is, I don't have a job. I'm unemployed. That's poor. So the angels didn't come to the unemployed. They came to the shepherds. Why would they come to the shepherds? Why would they come to the shepherds? Well, if you know anything about your Old Testament, the Old Testament every year had a day called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement would require the sacrifice of a lamb. 
But that wasn't the only time that lambs were sacrificed. Lambs were sacrificed at the Passover. In fact, lambs were sacrificed on a continual basis. Every week in the temple, people would make the pilgrimage and they would buy lambs that were for sale to, to sacrifice, to make atonement for their sins, the sins of their house, their household, their families. So the, the shepherds were employed by the, the state of Israel to keep the lambs because they needed to make sure they had enough lambs for the sacrifice. This was exhausting. This was tiring work. And the angels appeared to them not because of their financial status, terrible theology, terrible theology, poor doctrine, appeared to them because they were going to see the end of all their toil and all their stress where God was himself sending his sinless, blameless, without blemish, spotless Lamb of God from heaven to end all requirements for atonement, to attend, uh, to end all requirements for sacrifice. Jesus was that. And, they, and the sign would be that they would find him lying in wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger in Genesis 6 it says when men began to increase in the earth that that men began to become violent that the angels of God one third of the angels came down and went into the daughters of men and produced a hybrid there were giants in the earth in those days Nephilim and uh, these things made it their, their, their quest to wipe out you and I, people that, that bore the Imago Dei, the image of God. And the Bible says the earth was filled with violence. The Bible says all flesh had corrupted itself before God. That when God looked at the heart and the intent of man, the intent of man's thoughts and of his desires of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord greatly, greatly grieved that he had made man. And then the Bible says that the earth had become filled with violence. And God said, it is enough. I'm going to send a flood and start all over again because the earth was filled with violence. Well, if you know anything about your, your Bible or your history, you'll find out after the flood, even though everything was wiped out, it didn't take too long again till we had people like Nimrod and, and uh, Amalekites and Amorites and Philistines and everything, and the earth was filled with violence again. So Jesus now is heralded by the angels, and the angels are saying into the backdrop of a world that is war-torn, a world that is filled with strife, with murder, with violence, with exploitation, with slavery, with oppression, the angels come and say, hey, listen, joy to the world. Joy to the world. I want you to know that when Jesus came into the world, he came to replace the violence, the oppression, the nastiness, the wickedness of this world. So, so how do I know this is true? Well, there's still a contrast. This, there's still a contrast. Just like there's darkness and light and day and night, in the same way there is evil and there is good. There is wickedness and there is righteousness. There is war and there is peace. There is strife. And there is joy. Jesus came that you may have joy. Joy is different to happiness. Happiness depends on what happiness. That's where we get the word happiness. If something good happiness, then I'll be happy. It comes out of what happens. If something good happens to me, well, then I'm happy. But if something bad 
happens, well, then I'm unhappy. Well, the Bible says that uh, about Jesus, that when you receive Christ, you can rule in the midst of your enemies. The Bible says, I will send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. When, when you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you, it doesn't really matter what's happening on the outside because you know it's only temporary. You know that through prayer you can reset the thermostat. The devil may have got up in the morning and set your thermostat on calamity. He may have set your thermostat on devastation. He may have set your thermostat on struggle. He may have set your thermostat on, on foreclosure. He may have set your thermostat on job loss. He may have set your, your, your thermostat on sickness. He may have set your, set your thermostat on, on strife in the home. He may have set your thermostat on struggle. He may have set your thermostat on your child in rebellion but guess what he doesn't have the last say on your thermostat behold whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and so God has given you and I authority to slap the devil's hand and reset the thermostat by preaching and declaring the word of God as you come into alignment with the word of God you release its power where, where, where there's alignment where there's agreement authority flows where there's alignment where there's agreement authority flows kids know that Mama says to the kids, no cookies before, before dinner. We, you know, little Zoe, she's been baking all afternoon, but she wants to devour those cookies and ah, 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 not till after dinner. But Zoe knows this. She knows that dad just came home from work. <laughs> and he just wants to disconnect from work and solving problems and catch up with news, catch up with what's happening. And so she knows that dad is a boy. And boys cannot multitask. <laughs> he can't take in the news as well as reinforce the laws and the statutes and the commandments that Leanne has made that, like the Medes and the Persians, shall not be overturned. <laughs> so she'll come up, Dad, can I have a cookie? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, just out of the way. And the next minute she's eating a cookie, and now there's strife in our home. There's division in our home, but Zoe still, she doesn't care about the strife. She just cares about the cookie. She's got little chocolate chips all over her face, and she's happy because she understood. I didn't have to teach her this. It's just innate in us that we understand that if mum and dad are in agreement, authority is established. But if I can bring disagreement, there's a breakdown in authority, and I can get my, that's the world in which we live. And so, so you need to understand that you have the power you have the power of amen. Let me just go off script because it's not in here. Uh, the most powerful, powerful thing that God did when he created man in his image and his likeness was gave him a mouth, was gave him a mouth. Six days of creation and the pinnacle of creation was mankind. God created the birds of the air. He created the fish of the sea. He created the beasts of the earth, all the beasts, the elephants, the rhinoceros, the hippopotamus, the giraffe, the gazelle, the antelope. I mean, just amazing creatures that God had created from the earth. And yet the final, his final exclamation point was man. And God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Everything else God created with the words of his mouth, but not man. He, he fashioned man. He fashioned you and I with his hands. Isn't it amazing? The very hands that, that fashioned you and I would be the very hands that would redeem you and I on the cross. And, and so he fashions man. He breathes into man the breath of life and Adam becomes a living being. And God set man over 
God set man over the beasts. And yet when I look at an elephant, I'm dwarfed at the size of a massive elephant. I remember being in Israel, sorry, in Israel. I remember being in Africa and we're on a safari in Africa and our van pulled up to a whole bunch of rhinoceros and rhinoceri, rhinoceroses, whatever. (laughs) Rhinos. Come on. See, it needs an Aussie and a whole bunch of rhinos, mate. And... uh, and we pull up to these, and I swear, the, the rhino was bigger than our van. And, and you know, you with the tusk, I thought the tusk was like this big. The tusk was like, it was like a three-foot tusk. I mean, it could have just peeled open the side of the van. Like, I was like, whoa, these things. And yet man rules over the animal kingdom. What is the difference? Well, it can't be physical strength. It can't be physical stature. In the ancient Chinese, the ancient Chinese, one of the oldest unbroken languages in the world, the symbol for man is a mouse with feet, is a walking, speaking being, a mouth with feet. The devil doesn't want you to know this. That's why I'm telling it to you. That God created you so that his will be done on on earth as it is in heaven. And the way his will be done on earth as it is in heaven is earth is meant to not just reflect heaven. It is meant to echo heaven. It is meant to amen heaven. The most powerful way for you to bring God's power and God's kingdom into your life is choose where you put your amen. Do you know a lot of people put their amen with what the economists are saying or a lot of people put their amen with what the experts are saying or what the opinions are saying or what the you know, CNN news poll is saying or, or they put their amen with what the doctors have said or what the physicians it might be, but but you have the power of saying, you know what, actually, I'm going to pick up my amen. And what I really want is I really want God's, that's what Abraham did. The Bible says, contrary to hope, in hope, Abraham believed God, not, not looking at the deadness of his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was about 90 years of age. Abraham was 99. And God said, this time next year, you are going to have a child, but I need you to change your name from Abram exalted father to Abraham, father of nations. For the next 12 months, he's walking around going, people going, hey, exalted father. He's like, oh, actually name change. They're like, well, about time. You're 99 with no kids, about time. He goes, well, call me father of nations. (laughs) Do you know what a fool he would have looked like? But you know what Abraham was doing? He was saying, do you know how easy it is for for me to move my amen? to what the doctors have saying, to what the biologists have said, to, to the popular opinion. Yeah, mate, you're 99, you haven't had a kid. Your wife's 89, she's, she's barren. Like when she was young, no babies. Like really at 89, you think you're gonna, do you know how easy it was for him to put his amen there? But he just made a decision. The Bible says, being fully persuaded that God that God was able to deliver that which he promised. So he moves his amen. The devil doesn't want you to, but he wants you to believe that you're a victim. Oh, you don't understand life dealt me a cruel hand. Life dealt me a bad hand. I don't have an ace in my sleeve. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I was. The devil wants you to believe that you're a victim. But Jesus came to replace a victim mindset with a victor. Come on, something with a victor mentality because you have the power of where you place your amen. The, the the story of San Diego, honestly, is I, Leanne and I just thought, hey, we got one shot at this thing. Why don't, we, why don't we just put all of our chips on 
and let the world say, that's impossible. That'll We're just going to put all of our chips onto what God has said as impossible. They said, you can't build a spirit-filled church and you can't get buildings in San Diego and you can't, and you can't, and you can't. We just said, well, you know what? You just lost my amen. I'm going to put my amen over here with what God has said. And, uh, and see, God, you have the power. Your amen literally releases the Word of God coming to pass in your life. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Can I just encourage you that Jesus Christ is the replacer? I love this. Have a look at this scripture. Uh, Isaiah 60 verse, verses 2 to 4 says, To proclaim the year of God's or the Lord's favor, the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. Notice that? So where there's, where there's people mourning from loss, Jesus replaces it with comfort. To provide for those who grieve. To give them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise in place of a spirit of despair. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Don't, don't, don't ever let the devil lie to you and try and get you into a false Christianity that somehow your suffering pleases God. The Bible says there, let me read it again. It says to give them uh, provide those who grieve in Zion to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, as is verse 3, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise in the place of a spirit of despair. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be. What glorifies God is those things being replaced. What glorifies God is you moving from mourning into dancing. You moving from, from being beat down into joy. You moving from being conquered to being more than a conqueror. You move from being a victim to being a victor. That's what brings God glory. There's, a, there's an evil theology and an evil teaching that somehow God gets glory when you suffer. Like, you know, God's moping around in heaven moping, moping back and forth. And, and Gabriel's like, Lord, you know, what's the matter with you? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not happy. Well, Lord, you know, you're God. Have you ever thought of doing something? Yeah, okay. Um, you know what will make me happy? What will glorify me? Making people miserable. Let's, let's afflict them with all kinds of things. Oh, oh I feel better already. <laughs> now, we laugh but there are people teaching this in seminaries. Just had to have a little awkward pause there. Because wasn't it Satan, wasn't it a serpent in a garden in the beginning that basically said, has God really said? You can't really trust what God says. He's holding out on you. He knows the day you eat from that tree, you'll be just like him, knowing good and evil. You can't trust God. Don't go your own way. Be in an amazing, the devil is a liar. Jesus came to be the replacer. Let me just tell you, as Pastor Mike got up and began to preach that whatever you're walking through that's not of him, whatever you're experiencing that's not of him, Jesus, you better believe, came. The Bible says that he gave his back to those who beat him. Why? To save you and I, all he had to do was die on a cross. But instead, he gave his back. Why? So that by his stripes, you are healed. Jesus came to purchase your healing. He came to purchase your freedom, your deliverance. Jesus is the replacer. He wants to replace chaos and dysfunction and disorder with order, with peace, with joy, with divine order. I remember when, when, when I got married, honestly, I got married to uh, you know, what I believe was the most beautiful woman on planet Earth. 
my beautiful Leanne. But if I was honest with you, left to myself, even though I was in love with her, smitten with her, married the most beautiful woman, this thing would have jacked it all up. I had no idea how to be a husband. If I was honest with you, I hadn't really given much thought beyond the honeymoon. Don't judge me. But if I was honest with you, I, I, I had no idea. Even Paul in the New Testament says, Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding. You're like, why, why would I need to invite understanding? The first or second argument, you're like, understanding, understanding. I need you because I can't, I don't. Do you know when she says fine? It's not fine. You're in big boo-boo. Why are you crying? I'm not crying. Oh, it's just a head leak. She's crying and you're in big. And, and you don't know what you did wrong. You had no idea. It's dwell with you. So I had, I had no flipping idea how to be the husband my beautiful bride needed me to be. But you know what I found out? I found out that Jesus is a replacer. Jesus is a replacer. My parents, man, it was dysfunction junction in our home. But Jesus came in and replaced the dysfunction. He, he, he replaced the disorder. He replaced the, the violence. He replaced all of those things and began to peel off those layers and replace it and replace it and replace it so that I could become a student of being the husband that my wife needs me to be. And let me just give you a, a tip, guys. Uh, I've honestly found that if, if, if I, rather than look at what Leanne ought to be for me, if I flip the tables and started on the journey of what does she need from me, I gotta tell you the joy, the satisfaction, and the, the, the passion. I am more in love with my Leanne today after almost 28 years of marriage uh, because my, my whole goal and objective is God make me the husband she needs me to be. Make me the person. So thinking of her, it's amazing how thinking of others. In fact, they even say that the acronym for joy is Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's why most people don't have joy because they put the, they got yodge because it's yourself first, <laughs> others second, and Jesus last. Go from yodge to joy. Anyway, all right, so Jesus is... The replacer. A few quick thoughts. This is what you're going to notice. You're going to notice that, that this thing here is, is uh, completely opposite to the spirit of this world. To the, in the world, the world says a woman has to be beautiful to be loved. But this thing will teach you that if a woman is loved, she'll be beautiful. It's a completely different. The, the, world says, the world says that, that revenge will make the pain go away. Somebody's hurt you, you hurt them back, that somehow two wrongs make a right. But you know how many people uh, exerted a van, a revenge or vengeance on their foe only to find that the pain didn't go away. They murdered the person, they killed the person, they hurt the person, and yet they were still tormented. They were still, Jesus taught the opposite. He says, forgive. You're like, whoa, 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 hang on, whoa, whoa. I can't, you, 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 number one, you don't understand what they did. And number two, many, if I forgive them, how do I know if they're going to? 
See, when you forgive them, you, you give them over to God. And most people can't trust God. Most people can't somehow that, you know, God, people can, in Australia we say, slip God a mickey, which means, you know, kind of deceive God or trick God, that somehow God didn't see it or oh, I didn't realize that. You, you better understand God, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. The Bible says that even on the day of judgment, by your words you'll be acquitted by your word. that every false or idle word, you better understand that God is perfect in his justice. You, you better understand if, if, if we, you don't get a covering for it down here, if you don't get it dealt with down here, you're going to be in big boo-boo on that day. But yet I find it hard to trust God by, but you will find that as you forgive those who hurt you, forgive those who wound you, forgive that, you will find that it's less about them and more about you. A peace that surpasses all understanding will fill your heart. Jesus came to replace the anger, the wound, and the vengeance. Do you know that every time you rehearse killing that person, you literally rehearse the crime. You literally rehearse the wounding. You literally rehearse the violation. You live it over and over and over and over. Jesus says, enough. My daughter, my son, it is enough. It is time for you to be free. I live with such bitterness. I wanted to beat my dad up because he... The, you know, beating up my mother and myself and my little brother as kids. I thought, I'm the oldest, I'm the firstborn. When I turn 18, I'm going to beat my dad's head. And I live with an anger and I live with her. Instead, I got saved. And then after I got saved, I just thought, well, I'll just disown my dad. But part of my heart was hard and part of my heart was angry and part of my heart was filled with bitterness and resentment towards my dad. And God says, man, this is, this is not good for you because your heart is a spring and what it's producing in your life, your words have a contamination. They're contaminated by a bitterness and it'll come out in your relationships. It'll come out in your expressions. You need to forgive your dad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My dad ain't number one asking. Number two, he ain't deserving. Jesus says, when I died on the cross and the Romans were gambling for my clothes, they weren't asking, nor were they deserving. But I said, Father, forgive them you'll find that there's a freedom in forgiveness. Forgiveness will heal your heart. Forgiveness will allow a flow of God. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. You'll find that there's a peace that can come. Make a decision this Christmas. Joy to the world was given into the world, and you can have that joy, but you got to forgive. The world says vengeance will make you happy. The world is lying. Forgiveness will make you happy. Somebody say amen. Somebody's... Amen. All right, here we go. Uh, I've got to keep moving. Oh, dear goodness. All right. Number two, Jesus is the Redeemer. Jesus is the Redeemer. So not only is he the reverser, he's also the Redeemer. He came to ransom us. He came to ransom us, to pay a ransom. To redeem literally means to buy back. To buy back. The, the, the whole crux of our Easter musical hero. And let me just say thank you to East County because so many of you were involved in, uh, in uh, Twister the Musical. Can, can we give the cast and Paul Leanderberg and beautiful Ali and just the amazing team, just incredible. What a, what a show. The, the, the crux of Hero is there's a scene in in uh, the wilderness where Satan and Jesus are talking, and if you wonder why it goes from English into another language, the other language is Sanskrit, which is 
they say one of the oldest languages. And, uh, and basically, Satan says to, to Jesus, if you want them, you can have them, if. And Jesus says, if your life for theirs. You and I were kidnapped through sin. We, we became slaves. We're in, we were imprisoned by the devil. The devil held our destiny. The devil held our lives. Uh, this, is a, this is a spiritual reality of what was a physical reality when Pharaoh had the entire nation of Egypt as slaves in Egypt, slaves forcefully building his... That's what you and I were like. It's, it's a picture. It's a metaphor. But Jesus Christ came to redeem. He wasn't just our Moses. He was also the Passover lamb. You'll find that, that Jesus plays all the roles because nobody else could fulfill all the roles. Jesus was the deliverer, but he was also the Passover lamb. And Jesus literally said to the devil, okay, I will give my life in exchange for theirs. The devil thought he was winning. He thought that you and I in his kingdom was his great bartering chip because he wanted to rule the universe. And he thought, okay, I'll release them, but you have to die for me to release them. They deserve death as sinners. You die in their place and I'll release them. And he thought once I release them and you're dead, I'll just come and enslave them again. I can't lose. He had no idea that death couldn't hold him, that death couldn't contain him, that the grave couldn't keep him down, that Jesus Christ, see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and Jesus did not sin. Righteousness cannot be overcome by death, but rather righteousness overcame death. That's why when they put Jesus in the ground on the third day, pff, he got up out of the grave, took on death, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, rose again on the third day, conquering death, conquering hell, now sits at the right hand of the Father. I want you to know that Jesus is a redeemer. He redeemed you and I from the hand of hell. He redeemed you and I from the hand of the devil. He redeemed you from every addiction. Don't let the devil lie to you saying, well, you know, you're going to heaven, but you got to limp with this and you got to struggle with this and you got to, that somehow Jesus is powerful enough to deliver you from the, all the power of the devil except this one. The devil's a liar. He did, the Bible says, for this reason, Jesus, appeared on earth to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. Every work of the devil is being destroyed over your life. Jesus redeemed you from it. The blood of Jesus was powerful to break every chain, every shackle, every yoke, every addiction, every burden. Freedom 2020 is going to be your new slogan. People are going to look at you and say, my God, I don't even recognize you anymore. What is it about you? It's joy to the world. Jesus came to set the captives free. Can somebody say Amen. See, what, what's amazing is that they wrapped Jesus. This is, the story, this is what they said to the angels. They said to the, sorry, the angels said to the shepherds, go to Bethlehem and you're going to find a sign. The sign is a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Now, I grew up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I remember in school we would sing, Away in a manger, no crib for up. You know, we would sing the song. And I just thought, oh, a manger is like, you know, it's, I had no idea that a manger was a feeding trough because the song kind of sanctified it. A feeding trough and swaddling cloths. Oh, isn't that lovely? Like little swaddling cloths. Swaddling cloths are rags used to clean up the milk after you've milked the, the, the goats and the cows. So Jesus came 
into the world and he was wrapped in swaddling cloths, stuff that cleans up mess. He was wrapped in stuff that cleans up mess. Almost like there was a statement made to the shepherds, this is the one, this beautiful, innocent, perfect little child who would be wrapped in the sin and the mess and the shame of the world. Isn't it interesting that they lay him in a manger? You know what a manger is made out of? Wood. Wooden nails. When he was born, they lay him. They lay him on wooden nails. 33 years later, when he was born into the world, when he died and departed from the world, they lay him on wood and nails across. Do you really think it was a coincidence that he was a carpenter's boy? Do you really think like God, whoa, Joseph is a carpenter? I don't, what a coincidence. Do you really? <clears throat> Jesus grew up in a home where his papa, Joseph, he watched him ease the burden by making chairs, a chair where you can sit at the end of a day's work, a table where you can feast. He watched his, he, he watched his daddy build structures that held up homes. And yet the sun, the sun would again eclipse the father. What he, what he saw his earthly father build and construct with wood and nails, my God, what the son did with wood and nails. What Jesus Christ did, he bought your salvation with wood and nails. He broke the power of the devil with wood and nails. He took your sin and my sin and the wrath of God and the judgment of God upon himself with wood and nails. It was with wood and nails he redeemed. It was with wood and nails he restored. It was with wood and nails he brought rest. We don't have to sacrifice. We don't have to strive. We don't have to toil. We don't have to labor. Jesus Christ with wood and nails built a construct to ease the burden, to remove, so we can sit at the table of fellowship. We can walk into the presence of God. We can walk into fullness of joy. We can have fellowship with the Almighty. We can sit at a table prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. We can have a cup that overflows. We can have the bread of heaven. We can have the provision of God because of what Jesus Christ did with wood and nails. Oh, come on, give Him a praise. Come on, just take 10 seconds. Give Him a praise. What the Son did. What the Son did with wood and nails. Now I'm not trying to say that Joseph wasn't a great carpenter, but come on somebody, nobody ever did anything like that with wood and nails. That's who Jesus is. He's your Redeemer. He's your Redeemer. The last point, really quick, I've got to land this. Two minutes, glory to God. Jesus is the Restorer. Jesus is the Restorer. Jesus came to restore your relationship with God. God in, in Genesis gave Adam... The, the, the first great commission, he said, the Bible says in Genesis 1:28, God blessed him. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion, fish of the sea, birds of the air. See, God's word set forth on the inside of Adam vision. 
God's word said to him, don't just, don't just live just looking at the next tree in front of you in Eden. I know we'll put you in a little garden. There's trees all around about you. But son, I've given you dominion over the whole earth. I've given you, given you dominion over every living creature. Whatever you see, you're meant to rule over it. The Word of God set authority. The Word of God set the parameters of global domination. The Word of God set this, and yet the same Word, the same Word that God sends into your life to release potential, the same Word that God sends in your life to release dreams and release visions and give you room to move and give you room to grow and develop is the same Word that also said, of all the trees you may freely eat, but of that tree you can't eat. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. See, the Word also puts boundaries. 2020, make a decision that I'm going to be in church hearing the Word of God because there's nothing like it. And I'll tell you why. You can't get it in your universities. You can't get it in the college. You can't even get it in motivational seminars. They, they steal things, but... You need to understand what the, hear, what the ear hears, the heart conceives. See, when you hear, oh, you know, there's a recession. <gasps> there's a recession coming. Home prices in San Diego are at an all-time high. It's making it so difficult. It's so impossible for young people just getting married. Gonna... What you hear with your ear begins to affect what your heart conceives. What your, what your heart conceives determines what your mind believes. See, 12 spies crossed the promised land, but 10, looking at the same land, said, we are not able. We, we, we cannot go in there. There were giants in the land. The land was full. But two, Joshua and Caleb saw the same giants, saw the same city, saw the same land flowing with milk and honey. But they're like, what are you talking about? Their protection has departed. Let us go up just depends which word you're listening to. Are you listening to the word of the world that says there's famine, there's lack in 12 years time, the, you know, the, the, uh, the world is going to global warming, climate change, excuse me, climate change is going to, but we can't fix a DMV and we can't fix the road, but give us access to 70% of your taxes and we can fix the world. We can stop the weather even though we've had ice ages and in the past, somehow we can, the arrogance. God is in charge of the world. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. He hasn't fallen asleep at the wheel. When you come into alignment with Word of God, don't come in alignment with the word of the world, the word of the culture, the word of the people around about you, the word of the, the learned. Come into alignment with the word of God. Because I found as I began to come into alignment with the word of God, it caused my heart to conceive things, po possibilities that I thought were impossible, that I didn't even dare to believe, I didn't even dare to dream. And yet when I heard the Word of God, it will unlock things in you. And all of a sudden as I began to unlock things, my mind began to see. I began to see that maybe God had a plan. Maybe, maybe I don't have to have a marriage like 
my parents did with dysfunction and continual, with, with, with me and my little brother were crying, wondering that we could have something different, that we could change and forge a different legacy for our kids. I'm living proof that the Word of God works. And you may say, well, you know, you just probably haven't gotten out enough. I'm glad I haven't gotten out, out enough if it's going to take me away from the Word of God because I love my life. I love my friends. I love what I get to do. I've got to tell you, the Word of God, when it comes into your life, will change everything. Jesus is the replacer. Jesus is the redeemer. And Jesus is the restorer. Replacer, redeemer, restorer. Somebody say amen. 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 Would you just close your eyes? Come on, if you, yeah, actually, go ahead. Give God a, a praise if you receive that this morning. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. I want you to know that Jesus came so that you may have joy. The devil is a joy thief. Do you know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength? Isn't that interesting? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The devil knows to get your strength. He's just got to take away your joy. Remember with Samson, the Philistines. Man, this guy whoops us. 3,000 against one man, and he was tied up. The Israelites tied him up and delivered him with six ropes. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, snaps the ropes, and he looks down, and there's, a, there's a, the, the jawbone of, a, of an ass, which I would have thought, what? And, and it's a donkey. And he grabs his jawbone and just, and just kills a thousand of them. The other two tuck tail and run. And they were like perplexed. They're like, what's the secret of his strength? What's the secret of his strength? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the enemy wanted to take away Samson's strength. As soon as they took away his strength, what did they do? They bore out both his eyes. Because the devil knows if he can take away your strength, he can take away your vision. One day we're going to own a home. One day we're going to get married. One day we're going to have a beautiful family. One day, if he can take away your strength, he can take away your vision. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Of all the things for the angels to say, joy to the world. What was he doing? He was strengthening those who would receive Jesus. That's why the Bible says, if Christ is in you, who can be against you? Who are welcome? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer through Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter what's going on around about you. Everything going on around about, around about you, God is going to put a power in you that can change the thermostat, that can shift the dish, that can make a difference. Amen. Would you close your eyes? We're, we're out of time. If you're here and you've never surrendered to Jesus, friend, today is your day. Maybe you once walked with Christ, but you slipped away, turned away, ran away, fell away, you're away, come back. Or maybe you're here today and you're just far from God. I'd love to pray for you today. If you're any one of those three categories, you've never surrendered, you once did and you're away, or you're here today and you're just far from God, I wanna pray for you. And then I'm gonna pray for anybody that needs restoring, reversing, or redeeming. Because I want you to know that we don't just preach the Word. The Bible says the Holy Spirit always backs up the Word with signs and wonders following. Today is a day of breakthrough. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 